0: We turn out to read the word of God and read two passages. First of all in the Old Testament and in Isaiah chapter 40 and at verse number 1. Isaiah chapter 40 and at verse number 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended. the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, Cry, and I said, What shall I cry? All flesh is grass, and all his beauty is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, when the breath of the Lord blows on it. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, head out of good news. with young, and so on. And then we turn to the first letter of Peter and chapter 2. Sorry, first letter of Peter, chapter 1, and at verse 22, I'm reading into the first part of chapter 2. First Peter 1, at verse 22. And as we down through verse 24, that it's a quotation from the passage that we have read in the prophecy of Isaiah. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincerely brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls. The word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you so put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Amen this is the word of God and we trust that we are blessed to us these readings from it. We'll now turn to praise God again from the Scottish Psalter on Psalm 103, and at verse number 14, it's on page 370. Psalm 103, at verse number 14. For he remembers we are dust, and he our frame well knows, frail man's days are like the grass, as flower and field he grows. We'll sing from verse 14 to the verse Mark 18 to God's
1: praise.
0: Turn back now to 1 Peter and chapter 1, and we can read at verse 22. 1 Peter 1, at verse 22. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth, for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God, and so on down into the beginning of chapter 2. We have noticed earlier the importance of recognizing that life is a gift from God, and we see the way in which Peter has began this letter, the introduction to this letter, by reminding his hearers of exactly that in verse number 3. Life is a gift from God being the children of God is because of God's gift and through that first part of his introduction we have seen the way in which he has focused in on helping them to understand their identity as the children of God. Where have they come from, where they are and what makes them what they are. Our identity is important to us, who we belong to in life, in our families, in our communities, and In the broader context of the word, identity is very important to us. It is something that we are, and it's something that we cannot change. It's something that we are born with and born into. Identity is important. And we have seen from there the way in which Peter has gone on to help the hearers understand how to live life in the world. And that's crucially important in every part of life, in every area of life. It's important to understand how we are to conduct ourselves. And we have seen from verse 13 down to verse number 21 that Peter has done two things. He has shown them how they are to conduct themselves in their relationship with God. It's crucial, it's vital to have that understanding of as being the children of God, that we are, first of all, responsible to conduct our lives in a way that is pleasing to God. How we conduct ourselves in our relation with God. And the second thing that he has done uh, through these verses, he has helped them to understand how they should conduct themselves in the relationship with the world around them, their culture. How are they to live in the world in which they live, understanding that they have a responsibility because they are the children of God. When I come to verse 22, we are coming to the third important aspect of how we conduct our lives as the children of God in this world. And that third aspect is how we live and conduct ourselves in our relationship with those other children of God, with those who are around us in the Christian community. And that completes the way in which he wants them to understand behaviour, relationship with God, relationship with culture, and now relationship with each other in the Christian community. Today we want to look at these verses and to see the way in which he draws attention to Christian conduct and life in God's family. And we notice from verse 22, notice first of all that we see there is family devotion. It's what we expect. Unless a family is dysfunctional, there is devotion within the family. The relationships are there. And we so often say things like blood is thicker than water. There is something in family life that knits (laughs) people together and keeps them formed together as those who belong to that family. And God's family is no different to that. And when he comes to focusing on how they are to conduct themselves in the family, he wants to lay down a precondition, what must be in place before they are able to do this. And the precondition, what must be in place is, At the very beginning of verse 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love. It is something that they have done. And notice this is an activity in which they themselves are engaged. And the way in which Peter writes, it's something that they have done at one time. And because they have done that, it continues to impact on their everyday lives. And that's the very nature of being the children of God. We become the children of God. And from that time onwards, what has happened to us, what has taken place, impacts on the rest of our lives. It has a permanent, ongoing influence. And here we see that they have purified their souls by obedience to the truth. And if we are going to simplify that whole idea of of purifying their souls, the simple way of understanding it is that they are set apart and set themselves apart for the service of God. They belong to the culture in which they lived. They belong to the world in which they lived, to that kind of lifestyle. But at a particular time in their lives... They ceased to live like that and instead they set themselves apart. They purified their souls. There was that cleansing and that setting apart which makes them acceptable in the presence of God. And if I read my Old Testament, I, I, I understand this much about being impure and being unclean, that the impure and the unclean cannot have access to the presence of God. They are barred from the presence of God. But as soon as a person is declared clean, and that through the service of God and through the sacrifice that God has put in place then, on that basis, a person is declared clean and has access into the presence of God. And so they, and we ourselves as the children of God, they have performed this action through which they have passed from the state of being barred from the presence of God to being welcomed in the presence of the same God and they have done that by their obedience to the truth and obedience of course is something that they do and The focus here is not on what God has done for them. That will come later. The focus here is on what they have done in hearing the truth of the gospel and understanding what the truth of the gospel requires of them and in embracing that same truth and taking ownership of it in the sense that they are going to live out in obedience to this truth from this point onwards. And we can think immediately of that moment in which they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. They are brought alive by the Spirit of God, that is God's work upon them and in them. And the instantaneous response on their part is to give obedience to the truth of the Gospel, to the following of the Lord Jesus, who is the way and the truth and the life, to the following of the Lord Jesus who speaks of the truth as a truth that makes you free. And so the obedience that, that forms their lives in following the Lord Jesus as disciples, which externally may give the impression of, of, being, of being bound in as a slave to do something against your will, in actual fact the obedience to the truth is their very stepping in To the freedom that belongs to the children of God. And so today as we think of our responsibility to each other in in the family of God and in the community of faith. We think of of the way in which God sets us apart. And as a result of that we set ourselves apart. And Jesus in praying for the disciples in John 17, before he went to the cross, he prayed to the Father and he said to the Father, sanctify them, purify them, set them apart. In the truth, your word is truth. And so today God is doing the setting apart, but at the same time in response to that, as the children of God, we are setting ourselves apart in embracing the truth of the gospel and so becoming The children of God, in other words, we are submitting ourselves to all that God requires of us. And because of that, and through that, and we see the way in which there is a fundamental requirement that arises out of that purifying, and it is for a sincere brotherly love, purifying your souls. And the only thing that's going to stop you and me today from having sincere brotherly love is what we are in our hearts. We can talk the talk, we can give the impression in so many different ways of loving, but it's what is in our hearts. It's the purifying comes when we embrace the Lord Jesus. There is that clearing out of the very things that we have at the beginning of chapter 2. that is the, the remover of all the obstacles. That stand in the way. And that's the challenge. For you and for me. Living in a, a Christian community. To have that, that sense of, of pure and clean heart. From which is removed all of the obstacles. I will stand in my way of living as the child of God. In the way that I should. And once that's removed, and we know as we read the rest of the Bible, there is work to be done every day in order to ensure that there is a a sweeping clean of our hearts and a, a driving out from our hearts all of these obstacles so that we may love one another earnestly from a pure As soon as we come to think of love, we think of the God who is love, we think of the God who has love with an everlasting love, we think of the God who says, here is love, not that you loved me, but that God sent his son into the world to be the propitiation for our sins. It's a love which reaches out to those who are in need, who provides everything for for their well-being and for their recovery and to which is self-sacrificing in every way to ensure that the object being loved will have that sense of well-being built up and restored and living with that healthy sense of life in the presence of God and life in the presence of others. And so that love with which Jesus loved the disciples when he said, greater love has no one than this That a man should lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends. If you do what I command you. That there's that sense of loving submission. Which is nothing short of giving ourselves to the other person. And which always says in our purified hearts and souls. That the other person is more important than me. And that's so fundamental to to life, and we look across our our world, and there is so much of that absent. Wherever we go, whether we're in in our homes, or or in school, or or in our workplaces, or, or in our church, or in our community, there is so often the absence of that basic thing, that the person next to you, is more important than you are. And that everything that you are going to do... is to ensure... their well-being... before your own. And when he refers to... sincere brotherly love, love, it puts his finger exactly on what's happening. It's love for brothers and sisters in the Lord. It's the Philadelphia... and the Adelphos is the brother... Or the brother and sister in the Lord... It's that family kind of love which is required of all. And there's, there is that sense of beauty and devotion to God as our Father, and devotion to our brothers and sisters, our fellow Christians in the Lord, our devotion to them and God's family. And that completes the picture of the way in which God's family is going to have that sense of well-being in the world and that sense of health and well-being to live as God wants them to do here in this world, whether we're in our community here or wherever we go or wherever the Church of Christ is found, that we have that sense of family devotion. And in our own community and in other communities, There is an exemplary kind of behaviour because of the way in which communities can come together so strongly and powerfully for community events. And that's the kind of coming together and the kind of behaviour that that God requires of the people of God in, in living for him in this world, that so they are in that brotherly kind of love bound together. With God's agenda and with with God's mission and God's vision to live as the people of God in our world. Christian conduct and family devotion. Let's love one another in the Lord. It's the second most beautiful thing after loving the Lord himself with all of our hearts family devotion. Secondly, there is a family distinctive. What is it that makes God's family different to every other family? Of course, there is what we have at the beginning of verse 23. Since you have been born again. That's what brings us into God's family. That's what makes us the children of God. We are born again. And Jesus I spoke perfectly of that to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and Peter has referred to it in verse 3 of this chapter and the way in which he connects that to the resurrection of Jesus from the dead since you are born again but Peter introduces us to this whole idea of seed we go back to the beginning of our Bibles and we see the way in which in God's creation God created vegetation and plants and trees and they were all yielding seed according to their kind. So God creates the life and the seed is there as the bearer of that life and that seed reproduces according to its kind. And so in the paradise of God there is that fruit bearing that repetition of what God has created as creation produces season after season according to the beauty of God's design. There is the seed which brings life and from which life emerges. And we see from uh, reading the Bible that we understand that in Isaiah chapter 41, for example, that the children of Israel, God's covenant people, that they are the seed of Abraham, my friend. There is that real sense of Jesus himself being of the seed of David. There is that sense of of descent and of genealogy, but there is that whole idea and comes back simply to human procreation. When there is conception, there is life. And human procreation in the sense of of that seed producing and life emerging from that seed, from the creative action of God. And what makes God's family distinct is that you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. Not of perishable seed. That is the seed that breaks down. That produces life that's going to break down eventually. It's going to return into the dust again, as the Bible tells us, with regard to ourselves. And there's that perishable seed which caused David to to reflect on his own experience in Psalm 51 and to go right back to the moment of his conception and to describe that moment that he was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. In the moment of his conception, there is that sense of sin and of guilt. There is the the creative life of God and at the same time, there is that sense of sinnership. And from the moment of his conception, David is a sinner. He is born a sinner. He lives his life as a sinner. A sinner who has the grace of God. But because of the human form of procreation, there is life conceived. And from that point onwards, that life Points looks forward to the day of death. And not because of of anything wrong with God's creative act in, in creating the new life, but because of our father's sin, because of Adam who sinned, as in Adam all died, all sinned. Adam, one man sinned, and he died, and death has come upon all men, because we have sinned in him. We are all. Made sinners. And therefore. Subject to the penalty. Of death. And life. Today itself. Reminds us. Of how true that is. That. humbly speaking. We are born of perishable sin. And those who. sat joyfully with us here and years gone by are no longer in this world perishable seed what is the distinction that you are born of imperishable seed through the living and abiding word of God this is what makes the difference that the seed Is the word of God. The spoken word that we have as the written word. So that as, as God said in the first creation. Let there be light and there was light. So God says let there be life and there is life. And that life now is not affected by the sin of Adam. That life now is not affected by your sin or by my sin. That life is the seed of the word of God planted in our hearts. And by its very nature, it is the, the living and the abiding word of God. It lives forever. The seed produces its own kind. And in, in the marvel of, of that moment, and, and we see it in the first creation where, where God did say, let there be light, and there was light. And the Spirit of God is is brooding over the waters, And all of the the creative power of the Spirit and the Word of God come together in that moment to create that light. And so for you and for me, in this moment of the new birth, there is the Word of God and there is the Spirit of God. And they, they come together as the Word is the breath of God. And the Spirit is also the breath of God. They come together, and in that moment, there is life produced that will never end. And that's what makes this family devotion not only possible, it makes it certain, and doesn't just make it certain, it means that it endures forever. Nothing will bring it to an end. And thus, the writer to the Hebrews speaks about the Lord Jesus as a priest according to the power of an indestructible life. Everyone here today who who knows God's love in their hearts, they have the spirit of God in their hearts. They have a life which is indestructible. And we, we can look at each other and we can see how far removed we look from that and that's the reality of it. But that reality should never mask or veil or hide the fact that the life in our hearts is life that is indestructible. And Peter goes on to quote these words from Isaiah chapter 40. All flesh is like grass. All its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls. But the word of the Lord. Remains. Forever. Emphasizing. The continuance and the constancy. Of the word of God. But why? Why did Peter choose. Isaiah chapter 40. And these words. He chose them because I was speaking to a people just like the people in Turkey and Asia Minor. And he was speaking to our people who were going to see the, the power of the Assyrian Empire. He was speaking to our people who were going to see the power of the Babylonian Empire. And all of God's judgments coming upon them and, and surrounding them, and seeking in every way to destroy their lives as the children of God. And Isaiah speaking into their lives, into their culture. And he said to them, all flesh, like the Assyrians, like the Babylonians, all flesh is like grass. The grass withers, the flower falls. And Isaiah was on to say, because the spirit of the Lord blows upon it, all flesh is like grass. The Assyrian Empire fell apart. The Babylonian Empire fell apart. The Persian Empire was raised up by God. The people of God came back to Jerusalem. They thought that was impossible. The word of the Lord and Jews forever. What? Behold your God, says Isaiah. Send out your messengers to the people of God. Behold your God. Prepare the way of the Lord. Your king is coming. Peter can say to them, this, that word, Nicaea, this is the word that is the good news that was preached to you. The people in Nicaea's day were asked to prepare the, the highway for God because God's king was coming with God's salvation. And Peter is saying, what God promised to them is now what's happened to you. And he is saying to them that now in Asia Minor, despite the power of the Roman culture around you, despite its paganism, despite its idolatry, despite its immorality, despite every way in which it is opposite and contrary to the word of God, despite all of that, it will never destroy your faith. It will never destroy your love for God. It will never destroy your love for the people of God. All flesh is grass. They will vanish away. The word of God abides forever. Your faith and your love. And your status as the children of God. Will stand forever. The distinctive. That makes the children of God indestructible. Because of the indestructible life of God. In their hearts. And just like. The people of Asia Minor, we don't need to fear our culture. It's powerful. Every force seems to be running with it and running away from the Word of God. And, and it threatens our faith and our freedom in so many different ways. And we are fearful, but God is telling us, all flesh is like grass. When the wind when the, the breath of the Lord blows upon it, it falls. vanishes away our life is indestructible our love is indestructible and so today as the children of God we learn family devotion and we understand it on the basis of that family distinction that we will live forever and that we will love forever and finally there is family development. How are they going to carry on living and carry on loving? How are they going to confirm that they are the children of God with that distinctive and with that devotion? They are going to do so putting away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisies and envy and all slander like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into <coughs> salvation. Putting away everything else. Laying down the, the clothes of the old life, as, as Paul speaks of in Ephesians 4. Putting that behind us. Like newborn infants. We had little Joanna visiting us at the months last night. As soon as she was hungry, she needed a drink. And she soon made that clear. As soon as she had something to drink, she was calm and peaceful. Newborn infants. Like newborn infants. And Peter is not saying to them, you'll be like this when you become Christians at first, and then you'll be different later on. He is using this image and and this illustration so that they will always be like newborn infants who have a longing and a hunger for the pure spiritual milk. And longings are a wonderful thing, they're a precious thing, and they are harmful things as well. Because we all have our longings, and sometimes we cannot help what, what, what is stirred up in our hearts and we we have to learn to, to put the, the wrong kind of longings to the side because they will want us to promote ourselves they will want us to serve ourselves and stop serving others but we have to come with all of our longings to the word of God and as a newborn child comes for, for milk so we have to come for the pure spiritual milk of the word of God the reference back to the very word which is living and abiding that pure spiritual milk it's reasonable it's understandable it's all about how it provides all of the, the, the nutrients and the nourishment For my life as the child of God It's the living word of God So that we Might Grow up Into salvation And how we all need To grow in every way But especially to grow up Into salvation And in the the words of of John Noon he said and this in our case is the word of God with all other ordinances of divine worship which depend thereon if men will neglect their daily food that is provided for them it is no wonder if they be weak and thriftless longing for the pure spiritual milk it's the word of God for which the child of God is hungry. Hungry on the Lord's day. Hungry on every weekday. It's the word through which the child of God wants to worship on the Lord's day and on the weekday. It's that, it's that sense of being drawn to, to the very source and supply of what's going to enable life to develop and to grow and to have that sense of vitality and to give love for God and the love for each other that daily fueling and feeding which will ensure its continuance. And so today let's think of our responsibility to one another. And let's think of the importance of, of being set apart in God's family and to live with that brotherly kind of love. Let's remember our distinctive, let's not be fearing No one can destroy the life of God in our hearts and our souls. And let's give the word of God that central place in our lives and our hunger for it and our reading and our study of it and our learning from it day by day together as the people of God and then we'll be able to reproduce what is in the very seed of God in our hearts to reproduce it in life in our own community and to the world in which we live. May God bless his us. Let us pray. Most gracious and eternal God, we rejoice in you as the giver of every good gift, as the creator of life, as the restorer of life, and as the one who gives to us that life that shall never end. And we are thankful for the great mystery through which You have brought us so close to yourself that your life is in our hearts and that same life is producing fruit to your glory. Help us, O Lord God, to have that sense not only of belonging to you, but of you being with us and you being in us. And so that day by day we may be able to, to learn what it means to live for you and to live for one another in the Lord. So bless your word to us, we pray. Having mercy, for Jesus' sake. Amen. The closing psalm is psalm number 102, the first version of the psalm. And at verse number 25, it's on page 366. Psalm 102, the first version, on page 366. and. At verse 25. The firm foundation of the earth of all time thou hast laid, the heavens also are the work which thine own hands have made. We sing to the end of the Psalm to God's praise. Grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all and forevermore.